Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I am Jake Sherman. Welcome to The Daily Punch. Brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the House Republican Super PAC Congressional Leadership Fund is pouring more money into key races. Number two, the Oz-Fetterman debate. And number three, what Jim Banks is up to in his quest to become GOP whip. All right, Jake, great to be back with you this morning. Uh, let's Yes, yes, yes. Let's dive into uh, the lead item for Punchbowl News AM, which has a bunch of news about how the Congressional Leadership Fund, of course, the uh, super PAC that is uh, very closely aligned with Kevin McCarthy, is looking to pour more money into races as Republicans become much more bullish about not only winning the majority, but trying to expand their majority. Yeah, 11 million bucks, Anna. That's what they're putting in. <laughs> that's no, that's, that's no small amount of dough. I mean, they are just, uh, yes, they are raising tons of money and they're pouring $11 million to expand the map. And I'll run through some of these uh, some of these big ones. This is interesting. Seven districts that President Joe Biden won by double digits uh, in a sign of kind of where they think the political environment is. Um, the, the thing that'll get a lot of attention is uh, 1.9 million in Katie Porter's district in the L.A. marketing. She's running against Scott Bob in the L.A. Her seat is is kind of Irvine and, and the surroundings. Uh, people are going to go crazy over that number. The L.A. media market super expensive. So this seems like a big number, but um, it, that it doesn't carry you that far in L.A. Um, so uh, let me just put it that way. Interestingly enough, uh, they're making their first foray into Oregon 6th District, where Mike Erickson's facing Andrea Salinas in a, tr- in a district Trump lost by 13, 800 grand there, almost $2 million in Arizona, where they have little flexibility. They could use it on defense uh, in Dave Schweikert's race again uh, and or again in the Eli Crane race against Tom O'Halloran. We're not going to I don't want to go down all these numbers because I'll put people to sleep, but I'll uh, uh, on the podcast, you should go into the newsletter and read it immediately because our prose is so beautiful and the information is so great. But um, uh, a couple other interesting notes. Real self, in, real, real, real self-congratulatory I didn't. There. I don't know. Did I write it? I mean, I, I, I don't think know. I Whose am, byline could it be, Jake? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, this is just, I'm reading this and I'm, I'm almost crying how beautiful <laughs> this is. Uh, CLF is pouring a lot of money into my home state in Connecticut, not my home district, but uh, Johanna Hayes, a uh, Democratic congresswoman, is in a dead heat against George Logan. CLF is putting $320,000 into this race that uh, uh, in a seat where Biden won by 11. Uh, I always note Republicans haven't won a race in the in Connecticut Senate or House since 2006. Uh, other interesting note in 800 grand in uh, Ohio's 13th, the seat being vacated by Tim Ryan. Uh, 750 in Pennsylvania 17th, where Jeremy Schaefer is running against Chris Deluzio, Deluzio the Democrat. Um, Abigail Spamberger, right outside of Washington, Anna, uh, one of the kind of national security Democrats, as they're called, uh, saw her, her race move to toss up. Tuesday, eight hundred twenty grand there uh, against Spamberger. Uh, also, eight hundred twenty grand um, uh, for against Kim Schreier in Washington State. So Jesus, and a lot of dough being spent. And this is not the last we're going to see from um, from CLF. I don't think so. Um, uh, big money here. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think the biggest that I mean, what this just underscores, right, in the ways that the Republicans are starting to make some big bets, uh, is just the fact that. Uh, a lot of the folks that really are crunching the numbers, looking at turnover 
out looking at all kinds of different things have moved the races right where you had you know things were you know really questions about was it going to be a 10 seat a 15 seat majority now you have sabato's crystal ball going even further saying Republicans are already favored in enough races to win a majority in November 8th. Um, That's a big deal. And so now it's not just winning. It's trying to expand that map as absolutely much as possible. Try to create that red wave um, that, you know, it it seemed like that was up uh, up for grabs. And now the momentum clearly appears uh, to be behind Republicans. It does. Um, uh, not a, a Dave Wasserman uh, of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter uh, has moved, um, uh, has now said he's upgraded his outlook for Republicans from 10 to 20 seats to a Republican gain of 12 to 25 seats. Uh, I had a, a Republican member of Congress, I won't say what chamber, but a Republican member of Congress text me last night um, saying, whatever your total is, take the over. And this is a Republican, so it's in their interest. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're you know, we're hearing that that kind of um bullish talk across the board from Republicans and at least I am in the last couple of of days here. So, I mean, I, I you're, you're we're seeing this everywhere. I mean, Lee Zeldin in the state of New York, um the governor in the governor's race is making a run against Kathy Hochul in a state where Democrats have a massive, massive advantage uh, on registration. So, you know, 13 days, Anna, um, we don't we'll, we don't have to wait that long to see what will happen in 2022. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning in the Keystone State. Obviously, all eyes certainly in uh, political Washington were on this uh, key one and only debate between Republican Dr. Oz and Democrat John Fetterman uh, just two weeks before this tight election. And, you know, I'm just going to say it plainly. Uh, Fetterman, who is recovering from a stroke, um, was shaky at best. I, I really do think at best. I mean, his team had tried to do a lot of expectation setting, really lowering expectation. There was a lot, a lot of coverage on the fact that Fetterman was going to be used closed captioning um, before the debate. Um, but it, you know, it was, it was, it, it didn't help make the case. I, I don't think in terms of making the closing argument uh, that. He wasn't, you know, he hasn't been impacted by the stroke, uh, certainly in terms of his ability to communicate. Yeah. You know, um, I just said this on 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 way too early where John Lemire is celebrating his one year anniversary of hosting. Big that congrats show. to John Lemire, friend of the program. Congrats to John, um, uh, even though he's a Red Sox fan and we ban Red Sox fans, according to Brez. But, um, you know. I think the question that a lot of Democrats were asking last night, and I was hearing this from a lot of people late last night, is why did he even do this? Why did he do this debate? I mean, he would have gotten he would have gotten killed if Fetterman would have gotten killed if he didn't do this debate. So there's no there's no question about that. But you know, listen, it's understandable. The man is recovering from a um, uh, a, a massive stroke um, that almost took his life, according to media reports. Um, and I, I just think that, uh, it was, it was shaky at best. I think that's, that's the way to describe it. Um, uh, early polls and early polls are just, you know, whatever you could take it, you could take it for what it is. 
uh, suggest that Oz overwhelmingly won this debate. And and Democrats who were kind of spinning this last night uh, tried to focus more on Oz's answers than on Fetterman's performance. And Fetterman's campaign tried tried very um, uh, aggressively to lower the bar here. And and I, I get it. It's very this is very difficult, a very difficult situation for everyone involved. And um, uh, but this was the first chance to see Fetterman. I mean, he's done rallies, but it was really the first chance to see Fetterman in this kind of fast moving format since his stroke. So, you know, I, I, I it is Democrats will you know, this is a hold opportunity for Republicans. This is a, a win opportunity for Democrats. And um, Fetterman has clung to a relatively narrow lead over the last couple of weeks. And I'm assuming we'll see more polls in the next couple of days. All right. Certainly a race to watch. Um, let's move on to the number three story of the morning, the money game, something we've been covering very intensely in the lead up to the midterms and also what that impact has in terms of leadership races uh, coming out of the midterms. Um, one person we have been keeping a close eye on is Representative Jim Banks, the Republican uh, for Indiana. He has a, a super PAC that's linked to him, the American Leadership PAC. He's running for GOP whip if Republicans take the House as expected on Election Day. Of course, you know, as all super PACs that are linked to members, he has to keep that arm's length distance. But certainly uh, an effort to try to tamp down any concerns that banks would not be uh, a prolific fundraiser in that role. Yeah, this is, let's just be clear, the, this leadership, this super PAC, which is being run by Andy Sarabian, a Trump world official, um, uh, is not going to have a huge impact. They're spending, you know, a couple million bucks late in the game. But the uh, the the goal here is that is is to show that, that, as you said, Anna, that banks could raise money, that he could attract uh, the kind of big money that you... Um, uh, that you need to do to um, uh, to be in leadership. And that's number one. Number two, he's given a lot of dough to Indiana colleagues. <laughs> um, Indiana is a red state. All these guys and all these lawmakers are in very safe districts. Um, but uh, the, he is putting money into some of these swing races, and it is a... Um, it's an effort to show he could he could raise money and he cares about his colleagues. That's all. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's not pretend that this is going to change the world here. It's not. It, it, this is a very um, uh, targeted effort at showing that he could that he should be the whip. And we, we went after this yesterday. We talked about this yesterday. Um, th- this is a, a very, very, very interesting race, an extraordinarily interesting race um, between uh, Jim Banks, Tom Emmer, Drew Ferguson. We've dug deep into this race. We will continue to dig deep into this race in the coming weeks uh, ahead uh, until the leadership elections, which we assume will be right after the elections. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And um, I don't know who's going to win. I've had people tell me all I've had. I, I think all of them have a, a decent chance, probably. Emmer and Banks have the have are, are the the front runners by a tad over Ferguson. I don't count anybody out right now, and um, uh, I am fascinated to see how this unfolds. All right, with that, thanks so much for listening. Just a reminder: tomorrow morning we are have a conversation with Representative French Hill, the Republican from Arkansas, focused on the issues facing American workers and the impact on financial security. Our very own Heather Cagle will be moderating that virtual event. You can RSVP at our events hub. Again, please sign up for our free morning newsletter at 
punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.